Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, an editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics Magazine and Practical Dermatology Magazine. In this episode, Drs. Joel Cohen, Doris Day, Steve Diane, Michael Gold, Mark Nestor, Joel Schlesinger, and Amy Taub talk about making plans to reopen medical and aesthetic dermatology practices. Three things going on. Number one, we have to understand the science better for who's getting sick, why, number one. Number two, one of the big pieces of science that's been sensationalized that we don't know is what are the simple things we can do to mitigate getting sick. So for instance, nobody's done a real good study if two people wear masks and one is infected, what is really the transmission rate? My understanding is it's very low, okay? So if you're mitigating, for instance, I have no problem going to store with an N95 mask and gloves on because in Florida, everybody's wearing masks anyway. I'm not gonna get sick. I know I'm not gonna get sick. Between that and social distancing, I'm not gonna get sick doing that. You and I and all of us here know that we can do things and go out in a safe way. There's no reason why I can't go to Whole Foods the same as I can go to a sports store if everybody does the same type of mass, social distancing, et cetera. What we need to understand is there's gonna be ways of moving forward before the, we have a vaccine that are safe and they're gonna keep the numbers of infection down to a level that we can deal with. At the same time, I think what's happening is day by day, we have newer and newer uh, pieces of information to keep people healthier, okay? We know that clorox, uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, okay? That's a big piece of information because people were getting it. It's interesting, I'm waiting to see about ivermectin, okay? And, and there's two studies that are being done on exosomes now that have some promise. And, and there's some issues, uh, some uh, data out of Israel uh, using stem cells with very, very good results. So we're, we're getting more and more information day by day that as we understand, I mean, a simple thing that, that they realize that people when they're on their stomach survive much more if they're in the ICU than on their, they're on their backs. So, you know, the risk factors of people dying as we move forward week by week and day by day goes down because we learn more about it. Okay? Can we just spray our lungs? Can we spray our lungs with Lysol? <laughs> you, you think that you want to hear something funny, okay? We certainly can do it with hyperchlorous acid. Absolutely. So, you know, that wasn't so stupid, really. <laughs> stupid about Lysol. Hyperchlorous acid, you know, why can't you do an aerosolized and would that work? It'd be very the, head of the head of Tide came out today and said, please do not take our little Tide cleansing pods and stick it in down your throat. It's not going to work. Mark, you said that you feel you're not going to get infected because you're very careful about wearing a mask. So, and every wait, wait, wait. Let me, and let me, every, let me just finish. And everybody around us in Florida. So I heard you. So, so I wear a mask every day at work. I consider myself a very experienced mask wearer. However, I don't typically wear anything like the KN95 mask that I wore yesterday to do most. I haven't been to the office again in six weeks. That mask fits like a beak. It's very uncomfortable. It doesn't fit on my nose very well. And I am not used to wearing it. So I found myself when I finished surgery or before surgery, I found myself actually pulling it down to talk to somebody before I realized stupidly that that was by rote. And then I had to actually put it back up. So we have things that we do 
that we don't even realize because we're used to wearing masks. Other people may feel different, but I ended up touching this area a few times, just making it more convenient for me, number one. Number two, consent forms are still on the iPad as much as we clean it and everything else, and you have patients use cleaner before they touch it and you touch it and everything else. There's a lot of things that we touch without gloves on that they touch without gloves on because otherwise it just wouldn't work. So I, I beg to differ. The amount of times you touch your glasses, I had surgical glasses on yesterday. They're these big Oakleys and then I had to put my loops on when I was repairing an eyelid and those shields don't fit over it. You can't say you won't get infected and I don't know whose Instagram this was, but I saw something last night that it showed a picture of, you know, like a Zoom conference and you look at it, but it was all the people who had died that were ER doctors in the past month. Okay, Joel, so- Joel, let me, a couple of things, okay? And I'm not disagreeing with you. I think the simplest thing for you is have a rhinoplasty so your, so your uh, mask fits better. It'll work much better. So, and we know somebody in the corner here that can do that. <laughs> So, so here's the issue. Number one, our habits are different. What I was saying is in Florida, the law is if you go into Whole Foods or any place, everybody going in there has to wear a mask. The data shows if two people are wearing a mask, it is very, very difficult to transmit. That's what I was saying. But I agree with you. Our habits aren't keen to being really good about touching ourselves, et cetera. And we have to change our habits. I, I absolutely agree. Now, certain things I will tell you we could do, and I talked about this with David Goldberg, et cetera. We are not doing any signed written consents on the iPads. We're doing verbal consents, reading it to the patient, saying, here's the consent, and you're verbally approving it, and that's it. We're not having, we're having them touch as little things, and it's because of COVID, and we have that in there, okay? And, and we actually are doing, you know, we started doing telemedicine with consents, you know, sending it to them uh, uh, to sign it. We stopped doing that. We're doing it all verbally and we're putting a little uh, macro in saying the patient consented to X, Y, and Z. Legally, verbal consents are fine, okay? Especially under COVID when you don't want to touch anything, have it be fine. That's number one. Number two, yes, I agree. We have to change our habits. Um, touching ourselves, touching our masks. Now, I will tell you what I do is I have laser sin and epicin in every room spraying the mask. And I'll tell you, I come home and I have a little mask that I go out with. I spray it with epicin or spray it with laser sin. I feel really good because it's, you know, it's not going to hurt me. It doesn't seem to hurt the mask. Okay. I'll spray my glasses with it, et cetera. You know, we have the ability non-toxic. I'm your noses with it. You can spray it into the nose. You can spray the inside. And it can get in your mouth and in your eyes. It's no big deal. Right. So so concentration is that? This is exactly what we need to do moving forward to establish new ways of doing things to protect ourselves, number one. Number two, protect our staff and for our patients both to be infected and to infect us. Can I say something? Can I say something? So I decided to get um, this antibody test, you know, that's the pinprick one from, it's called Biosense and um, it's being sold by Shine and, and Medline. It's an IgM, IgG, and it takes 15 minutes. And yes, there's a zillion things that it doesn't tell us, but it could tell us if somebody has IgM, for sure, we're not, Gonna, we're not going to send them home, right? I'm talking about employees. 
And if somebody has IgG, we'll be like, okay, either you had it or you had another, um, you had another coronavirus. But at least if you don't have the IgG, IgM and you have the IgG, based on prior viruses, even though that's a very imperfect science, we can assume that maybe you have short-term immunity we don't know. That doesn't mean that person would not go without a mask or do anything else. All that means is that we wouldn't send them home and we just have a slight modicum of more information than we had because it's so frustrating to have no information. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And there's been some discussion on some other text change that what you proposed right now could have some inherent risks for employers. So first of all, if you have somebody who tests antibody negative and then they work at your office for two days or a week and then they test antibody positive, then there could be some inherent liability of the practice. Agreed. Contributing possibly to their conversion. So that has been a question for employment attorneys and many would say that there's risk for that. So I think we should discuss something like that. Secondly, Mark, you know, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with people just having a verbal consent. You could have ver verbal consent to brain surgery. So I, I'd still prefer a written consent and we have our standards of doing things. And the third thing is there is the opportunity that some people actually have said, maybe there should be a consent form when you walk in the office that the uncertainty of COVID, we're taking yes. safe practices, but we have no idea. But then again, there's no consent form when you go to the grocery store. Are we opening it up to, you know, saying that they might have gotten something at our office when people forget about the fact that they've been to other places as well? So those are three things okay. to chat about. And in New York, they so, have to get to the office, so they're often in public transportation. I mean, in a place like New York, I don't, I even I definitely myself, think, I think we should have a consent form because just for what you said, let's say, you know, let's say you're going along and then all of a sudden one of your doctors or MAs gets COVID and then all of a sudden you have this little hive of people that have gotten COVID from your office and then that patient could say, well, I was there and I saw that medical assistant and I know I got COVID from your office. I think it's a good idea, even though they could get it from anywhere. No, I'm, I'm listening though, I'm listening. We actually have a consent that I, we, Michael and I and David Goldberg discussed this because I sent them the consent. Dan, Dan Siegel and I uh, came up with a consent. And the, the reason for the consent was two things. Number one, to make sure that patients who are coming in understand that they're coming in under a risky situation. Uh, they're also coming in with the knowledge that they may not have to come in. We may be able to see them under telemedicine. Okay, and then we have whether it's whether it's uh, legal or not something in there saying that we're they're abstaining us for liability for getting COVID because they want to come in. And, and we're doing, and we're going to use it too. I mean, the, the situation that I'm living in in Tennessee is that listening to all you. Sorry, I came in late. <clears throat> Our stay-at-home ends next Friday. Um. So, and and. Nashville is sort of blocked from the rest of the state. So Nashville, Knoxville, Memphis, Chattanooga, we're, we're not part of the state mandates. We have our own count, um, city things that are taking precedent over the state. Um, and the mayor came out yesterday and basically said that starting May 1st, we are allowed to go back to, it says elective surgeries may commence if you're on a patient who's under 70 and in good health, 
the governor has said no no health care okay and anything but the nashville mayor has who has authority over it says on may 1st we're allowed to start again with elective surgeries um for specific things and the documentation like you've been saying we have to document everything the minute the patient walks into the office temperature checks we have to have the consent form that mark was talking about in some form or fashion for not only the patient but all the employees have to be checked and screened every day um, and there's guidelines that our mayor has set out for all of that and then phase one of our reopening is is we're nashville it's bars and restaurants okay no no doctor's offices are mentioned <laughs> in any of that but phase two it says elective procedures can happen on anybody so but that's a phase two but on the the preparate, preparing to open part of this, elective procedures may commence. So it really doesn't say we can do it and it doesn't say we can't do it. And so we're actually gonna go back to the mayor's office to get a definitive answer because our curve is going up. Truly right. what, this, what this comes down to, I think, is safety for both yourself, your patients and your staff. And, um, I think that you want to be as safe as you can and open uh, wisely and where you can use telemedicine to decrease the risk uh, either to yourself or to your staff, you should absolutely do that. The other thing that I have had some concerns, at least in my practice, uh, is with uh, pregnant uh, staff members yeah. and potential patients. So we have a, per, a pregnant staff member or two who are very early and we have taken the uh, approach that we don't want them anywhere near uh, risk uh, factors. And that's going to be something that we have to really resolve with ourselves. It's going to come down to how we feel if one of our staff members becomes sick or God forbid dies from COVID and what our uh, liability or Joel, I had a pregnant patient call me up a couple weeks ago who happened just to go out in the yard and basically had probably one of the worst cases of poison ivy I've ever seen. And, and she called her OB and said, you know, who, do you have a dermatologist? And they said me, and they, she said, see if he's open because she'd rather her, her come to me than go to her. Um, and so, yeah, and it was a really, we had that same discussion. I mean, do we wanna see somebody who's pregnant? You know, what do we, how do we deal with it in an office and so forth? So that's a, it's a major issue. Well, the question really is, where is the exposure greatest? So if we're taking precautions in our office versus that pregnant person or somebody in their household going to the grocery store, the bowling they're probably alley. a lot safer in our office no matter what than they are in a grocery store. Well, okay. you know, they're safer with less exposure overall. So they have to go to, they may have to go to a grocery store. They may have to do other things. They don't necessarily have to come in. I have one person who is six months pregnant and I'm thinking very strongly that I will figure out for her to stay home um, and not come into work and figure out how we can, you know, we're, we're, we're downloading any, I mean, we're downgrading the practice in terms of volume anyway. So I wouldn't, I personally would not feel good about her coming into the office and risking any exposure. She has one child at home, she's six months pregnant, and it would, it would kill me if anything happened to her that I thought I could prevent. And it's, can we talk about, can we talk about a poison ivy patient? You can see via telemedicine. If we can't diagnose poison ivy via telemedicine, we can't diagnose well, it. So, so this was the thing where she, she was, she, right, Steve? 
You're right. So yes, the answer was yes, but it was so bad that they, the, the OB actually thought it wasn't poison ivy. And, and it was before I even was doing telemedicine. And it was pup. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't pup. All right, yeah. So there were a couple other, can we change subjects for a minute? Because I wanted to bring something up. I may have missed this part of it, but um, we had actually all gotten some emails earlier in the week or about um, when we do reopen, what is it gonna look like um, from all of our points of view? Um, and I promised that we would ask it on this call. Um, today. So um, let's talk about sales reps for two minutes or so. How are you going to do this in the new environment? I see lots of head shaking. Virtual. We don't need them. Honestly, they don't need to be there. We don't need our, our staff exposed to people who go into all different kinds of offices, our colleagues, and different types of medical professionals. I was actually, the first thing I got rid of was my sales reps. I was like, no, nope, we're not having any more lunches. This we may be the best thing that ever happened from COVID. So take I, it from the company point of view. So let's let's separate it into two parts. Medderm, okay? Medderm, you can definitely do virtual lunches if they want a company person wants to pipe something into your office for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever. Um, but Doris, you're gonna see reps. You have a small office you kept you said in your email. No. Okay, I'm Joel. I'm not gonna see reps. And um, I I do like my reps. I'm I I think that reps provide an important service for my med side. They bring samples and I think those relationships are important and helpful. I feel badly because I don't want them to lose their jobs either. So um, it's tricky right now, but it's just not safe. I have 1500 square feet. I'm gonna downsize on my MAs. If you are graduating, going to medical school or PA school, and I'm not gonna be higher right now. So I'm gonna just be down to fewer, as few people in the office. I want every patient who comes in to feel like the office is otherwise empty. Right. So anybody who doesn't absolutely have to be there should not be there. And you're all, in, you're all in agreement with that absolutely. on the Medderm side? How about yeah. on the cosmetic side? Let's do on the filler toxin side. Do they need to come? No, same no. thing, virtual. All right. How, how about on the device side? You want to buy a new device in six months or a year. Are you going to let them come in? No. No. How are you going to get a demo? Well, that's, uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to get a demo for a while. I mean, it's an interesting. I, I, said, I said six months to a year, whenever people, do, you know, again, we'll if you're. See. We'll see. We'll see. Steve. But by that think? time, we'll have a vaccine in a year or so. Let's Steve, go. what do you think? Uh, no, I'm not bringing anyone in. I don't see myself buying a device in the next six months to a year. There you go. I mean, I think we've all been on these calls enough to, to you know, that the, the marketers out there have been saying, ah, oh, things are going to be back in three months or two months or whatever. And, you know, Steve, I, I will plug Steve for a moment. Steve has been the, the word of, well, people, I don't think you're really on the right track. <laughs> and it's been refreshing um, because, again, I think we're living in a world that, you know, if, if, I, if I had $100,000, I could buy, instead of one laser, I could buy 10. And, and I, you know, that may be an option. Well, this, is, this is what I've told the laser companies that have talked to me. Shift to rent to buy. There's no way anybody's going to buy a device right now. Maybe they've had an eye on your device forever and they can't afford it. But when things start to pick up, they'll be like, you know what? I'll try it for three months. If it seems to do well, I'll keep it. And if not, I can give it back. They're never going to make it any other way, in my right. opinion. And, and look what's happening with cars. I had this conversation before with a few people. 
I mean, if you look at what's happening in the automobile industry, they're like down really tremendously, okay? And what they're doing is they're realizing that number one, people are getting six months without having to pay their car payments. They're, they're saying you can return your car. Yeah. You know, if you lose your job, we're gonna pay for it. The, the and somebody made a comment to me that you gotta redefine printers really carefully because they may not all be what they think that what well, we're hearing. Of course, I agree. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it's the same issue here. You know, when, when we open up, device companies are not gonna be selling anything for a while. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in the device industry, as you know, realize that writing's on the wall and if you have gone belly up or they sold very cheap, um, you know, those device companies that have fillers and toxins and lower price, as long as they're going to meet their customers' needs and, you know, and really uh, trade out things that are close to expiration or expired and not leave it up to the, the customer or the physician to eat that, um, they'll do well because, you know, again, it's, it's gonna be a, uh, a lower price point but the bigger price point items, I agree with Amy, you know, unless you're going to do something very unique, nobody's going to pick up a... a you're not going to let the reps come in your office. You're going to have, a, you'll let them deliver the device and you'll set it up or they'll just set it, set it, send it so it's set up and then you'll virtually train. Virtually train. So, so oh. let me ask you this then. Do you think the patient expectation is going to be that when they come in for the neuromodulator filler laser, that they're going to do the same thing with us? Or is it going to be that they're expecting that our prices are gonna be lower um, and they're gonna ask for, for um, exceptions that way. Great question. And, and I think the bottom line is that the market's gonna tell. The market is always told. I mean, our prices are always in this, in this group are always much higher than the market anyway. And I think that people will pay what they'll pay if they want the best and that'll always happen. But I think overall in the marketplace, the prices are gonna go down. Right. Oh, there's going to be a lot less uh, people, a lot fewer people that are going to want to get this because... You think so? Yes. 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 I think <laughs> after the, we think after the first glut of the, 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 the pent-up demand patient, um, which will be the first week or two, um, yeah, the, the group that's saved money to come in for a toxin or a filler or a laser procedure, um, either some of them may not be working right now, and then they don't know if they're going to go back and, you know, choice between food and a, to a toxin. Um, yeah. You know, in New How York, long do you think that's going to last? But in, in Nashville, they're going to food. It's going to last for a while.